Well, you know, yeah, but on. still, when we're talking it's, about fiduciary it, duty, most of the people that drink Pepsi in America, and this is an American ad, are white. They're mostly white. Again, you know, they're you're, overwhelmingly this, this so. This is what you do all the time, which is where you, you take a point that's fine, which is that the ad is stupid and nobody likes it, and then you're spinning it out of control into this, like, hyper anti-Trump nonsense. I'm just saying, like, this... Uh, Charles... Eight look of how, the look eight, how upset he's getting. Chris. Eight it's, of the ads during the Super Bowl were obviously right. anti-Trump policies. That, they were obviously okay, pro-globalization. We're talking about Pepsi, and now you're. This is what you always. Th- your argument style. It, you, your argument to, style is so dumb. Thanks for the pie. Just ate a delicious pie. Yeah, happy birthday, Charles. It's not my birthday anymore. It's it was over. yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I think you accused me of of trying to signal that it was my birthday. But <laughs> birthday I really, signaling. I wasn't really intending on doing that. I was more uh, trying to leverage my birthday in order to get booked on a show, which failed. Uh, I did fail at that. I had to go to an open mic. Because I've had this goal for April, which is now almost complete, of doing a show or an open mic every night. Every single night. Correct. Wow. Uh, and some people do a lot more than that. Some people do multiple ones per night. I don't know if they do a one. Uh, they go out every night. But that was my goal, was to do one performance every every night of April. So, yeah, podcast. We've sort of lo- had a lull for a little while here. We I feel have, like we missed uh, a only one a week. week. Yeah, we missed one. We week, missed a week because of you. That was your fault. We have a podcast yeah, ready to go, and sure. he says he's almost ready. You're not alpha enough to <laughs> to tell your to friends. Say, Fuck you. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah. You, you claim to be an alpha male, but <laughs> you can't alpha your friends. I don't claim to be an alpha male. I, 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 not I, seriously. I think you is that ironic. Everything's ironic. Uh, yeah, you just gotta. I don't understand. I don't have that relationship with my friends at all. Anybody that ever wants to come on here, yeah, or that wants to interact, they are the submissive in the relationship. Well, it's just about value, right? I mean, it's like, wait, what would? It, there's no point in. In that sense, there's no point in. It would be, make more sense. It would make more sense to release it in concurrent with his book being released. I mean, that just makes more sense. And then, and I, then he'll be able to share it. You I, know? Un- I understand that, but yeah. I'm not talking about the aftermath. I'm talking about the lead up. Like you've got to bigfoot people and and let them not even get into a position where they start negotiating about when we can release a podcast episode. Bigfoot people, you yeah, big you got you got to bigfoot people at <laughs> what the does top. That, mean? What does big that means foot you got to you got to establish that uh, you are coming on to something. This is our artistic sure, property. Sure. Got so it. if you enter into the space, we control. Uh, the manner in which this gets released. Of course. No, Eric Vidal was not saying, you know, you can't do it. He was just asking, you know, like, can you wait? And I just felt like, yeah, it makes more sense for us to wait anyway. So, you know, that was kind of, I just, I I understand it from the perspective of the book, but the other part of that content is about uh, his his predictions, predictions, which quite frankly, the people that listen are more interested in than his than book. his book. Of course, absolutely. But if he's going to be doing a big marketing push for his book, if, you know, if, uh, 
it's better to, you know, then he'll have incentive to really get the podcast out there, you know? Well, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. He says he's almost done. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sort of inclined to believe him this time because I don't know. He just seems like, it seemed like he was serious when he said last time, like I'm almost done. All right. So here we have with us, Chris Callahan who is an advertising agency executive. He works at major agencies. He's a big deal. We met working at 72 and Sunny, which at the time was the top ad agency in the world. And uh, Chris was a strategist, but he's also kind of a thug gangsta in the sense that, you know, he is a, a, makes trouble for the man. I make trouble uh, so, so he, so he, uh, you know, we we've gotten along. It was funny. We had this little like stretch of people at seventy two and Sunny. We had this like one like corner of a table, and why, I think. Why are you talking so loud? You're so loud today. So, I don't think I'm any different at all. But uh, and we all were like unceremoniously dismissed from, <laughs> from seventy two oh, because we were just like this malignant tumor in in the organization. Um, yeah, yeah. All for different reasons, but you know, th- we were just not what they wanted. You know, what I mean, they, the advertising. What they want? Who the fuck? If, if I knew, uh, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't. Haven't you received the sign that you shouldn't work in advertising? Hasn't that just been made abundantly clear to you? Maybe. Yeah, I, or that I, I think I either, so he's on to something, though. I mean, I think what they wanted, I think that was a question you asked, Charles, was for you to be extraordinarily obedient, do not ask questions, and do exactly what people told you to do because whatever formula that they had created was working for them. Yeah. And they were winning a butt ton of awards. I think, you know, yeah. the, the ad agency is the ad agency <laughs> world is where the most talented people in America go to sell their souls, right? Yeah. Pretty much. So yeah. they're they're all these incredibly talented, incredibly good looking, just like top notch A <laughs> A quality people who go there to let go of their dreams <laughs> and, and get paid a lot of money much, yeah. and get paid lots of money to let go of their does, dreams. Does yeah. everybody in advertising just plan to do it for a while? Yeah, until sure. Something I, happens? I, well, Chris would know better than me. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah I think that's actually a, a really good way. I think a lot of people go in there thinking, well, I'm just going to do this for a while. I'm going to check it out. It seems very sexy and like you get to go out a lot. People like minded. But then a lot of people end up getting stuck there because after a while, the money starts to get really good. Um, like it's really kind of crazy. Good. It's insane. like really good. Yeah. Like after like being in the agency world for like five, maybe the most four to five years, you could literally double your salary in your sixth year. Yeah. I mean, those, that, yeah. You, those, those top, yeah. uh, those top creative directors, they're making 250, 300 a year, right? Oh, easy, easy. Yeah, especially maybe once you become uh, maybe more, and especially if once you hit partner, well, then now you're doing profit sharing, yeah, and which is just have, ridiculous. And then you could walk out of an agency as a millionaire. You know, it's really not unheard of. Uh, it's also something not talked about a lot, um, yeah. but it's absolutely true. I think you're you're dead on in terms of people think they're going to be there for a while, but end up being there for much lives. longer. Yeah. I I would talk to Isaac often about how everyone in the agency business is at the end of the day a coward because here is the easy way that you can apply your minimal creative thinking or sometimes you know there's a lot of brilliant stuff up there I just but i think there's also like a uh, i think people just are confident in their abilities to be the next like basquiat or something like that even though they may may very well have that talent they're just like eh, i'm never going to make it in today's world and i'm just going to go ahead and sell out 
And I, I don't know. I think there's there's a, a cowardice to all that. But well, it's absolutely cowardice, and it's absolutely it's like it is truly the most pure form of selling your soul to the devil that there is. Right. Because it's like, yeah. In any case, no, totally. uh, we're here today to talk about the advertising agency world, the the ad world, and this sort of. Um, are you like walking around in circles with the? Camera I, I am. Like yeah. So I'm at my parents' house. Do so they live in a? You've been in my parents' house. Yeah. It's in the forest, basically. So it's kind of – I try to make sure I get optimal reception. But if it's body, I can sit down. I'm also making coffee. It's fine. But I, I've just made my coffee, and now I'm sitting down. Did you provide – did I give a good enough intro? My name is Chris Callahan. Yeah. I'm a strategy director at Orm Duty and uh, another agency. I've been doing strategy for eight years now. Uh, I've learned a lot. I lost a lot. I'm still learning. It's yeah. a very unique business. So. It is. It's a unique business. It's a cool business. I, I, I yeah. like advertising. I mean, it's, it, it's yeah. interesting. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating world. Um, but so recently there is this trend of extremely left-wing advertisements, right? There's this – in the Super Bowl, I think there was eight – ads that were politically charged some were like making fun of trump's hair some were you know this whole immigrant thing like lumber 83 which is like is that even a fucking real company (laughs) so you know there's there's all these super left-wing ads kind of hating on trump then that whole sort of thing jumped the shark with this pepsi ad which we all have seen we all know about it this kendall jenner pepsi ad. can we play it uh, yeah, we can play that. All right, so let's play the ad. Um, let's see. Yeah. Let's go to. Is this still? Up? I I understand they took it all down, but I'm sure they're still up somewhere. Oh, it's. Oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Once something's online, it's never going away. That's. Okay, so it's two minutes. Uh, it's two minutes and forty. Two minutes and forty minutes. Okay. Oh, it's the um, the problem is gonna be that we. Oh. No, okay, no. here we. Go. Wait, is this it? Okay. I hope this is it. I hope this isn't like. Can you hear this, Chris? Yeah, I can hear that. All I right. also. You wanted to just go to the. So we have a bunch of people protesting with peace signs. There's a Indian woman with a hijab doing something, and here's Kendall Jenner being a celebrity in, in with her hair. She's being a celebrity. She's inside. The march is going on outside, and the march is sort of a vague march. We don't really know what it is. There's people marching, and there's a guy playing a, vi- a large cello. An suddenly. Asian. There's play. an Asian man suddenly playing a large cello and drinking a Pepsi. Just thinking about I forgot life. about that. And he's just looking out of his balcony in wherever this is. Yeah. And here's a oh. woman in a hijab who's... She's struggling. She's with her throwing art. away things. Yes. She's throwing pictures she's away. Got, but she's got a nose ring, so she's, she's got, yeah, not hundred percent. She's down. No, she's not trouble. She's definitely like, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the cool ones. Don't yeah, worry. and now she's taking pictures I won't cut of off the your crowd. Head. Don't worry about now it. Now she's yeah, taking pictures of the crowd. Here's the Asian guy in the crowd with his cello, oh, and now some, there's people dancing. Some black people dancing. Cello dancing. Wait, I don't even think <laughs> this is the right thing. Is this the right thing? This is not the right thing. This is some other thing. This is the full one. Okay, and now Kendall Jenner is having pictures taken of her. And now she's like, oh, what's going on outside? There's people marching. I am, you know, not Marie, the one who got her head cut off. Oh, she got a nod. And she got a head nod from the Asian guy. Boom, she takes off her blonde wig and wipes off her lipstick and 
She's now entering notice, the crowd. That she, notice that she gives a blonde wig to a black woman. I just wanted to point that out. Oh, interesting. And she picks up a Pepsi. She says hello to her cello playing Asian. It says hi to a braided guy. There's a is white the music, police officer. Did they use a different music Yeah, this track? is not the right music. Yeah, that's what I thought. Let me just turn off the music. And then she goes up to a police officer and hands him a Pepsi. And then the hijab woman takes a picture of her, and now they're all cheering. The protesters are now cheering the fact that oh, she gave the, the Pepsi to the black and the guy. Muslim. The and black. then the black and the Muslim hug <laughs> with her hijab. And then she's, she's smiling and clapping. And she, we don't know what they're protesting. We don't know what's going on. Let's say be bold. Could we have any be more bold. screens? Be bold. Pepsi be bold. will make you bold. I, so let's, Chris, I'm just going to interview you on this. First of all, does anybody, the idea that Pepsi is still in business to me is insane. Like, it's like Radio Shack or something. Does anybody, I don't know a single person on earth that drinks Pepsi. Um. It- there's quite a few, uh, and they're usually kind of in the more rectangle states, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, a little more of the south. Yep, um, I can Pepsi's confirm. Produced there, despite the fact that Coca-Cola is in Atlanta, uh, Pepsi's really big around the, those areas, yep. um, particularly the older housewives. I think I can, you know, I so I wrote a Medium post on this. Um, and Oh, that's got, right. That's right. That's right. And just because I was pretty just outraged, not even just for any of the the strong liberal sympathies, the fact they're coattailing on a whole generation of, of what they think is relevant, but just, it's just a really bad done ad, just, uh-huh. just executed very poorly, um, you know, done through lots and lots of focus grouping, because uh, apparently this scored very well in focus groups. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> which is... To me, as a strategist, uh, a large percentage of what I do is talking to consumers and doing a lot of market research. And I'm actually doing a whole other post about how far away we've gotten doing market research. And now it's basically CYA, cover your ass, you know, it, client stakeholder. And here's a bunch of numbers that show people liked it. Um, well, unfortunately, this this bombed extraordinarily. So, so I feel like for Pepsi compared to Coke, I, there's a really interesting chart I can share with you guys that in the past 100 plus years, as they've been around, uh, on one side of the chart, it shows how many times Coca-Cola has changed its logo. And it's been three times. On the other side of the chart, it's been it's uh, Pepsi, which has changed it 18 times. <laughs> wow. So, they're, so they have two different very stra- you know, strategies. So Coca-Cola classic, they really mean it. Like they're never going to change their formula. Their advertising is always going to be a little bit saccharine, a little bit boring. But they're just going to spend heavy up on awareness. Everyone keep buying Coke, or now they're doing this whole thing like drink Coke and Pepsi, or drink Coke and a, a burger, sorry, or drink Coke and a pizza, like we're being an ingredient brand, that sort of thing. Yeah. But Pepsi is just going to constantly try and evolve and do everything it can to be relevant. And it started in 1961 with this whole thing called the Pepsi Generation, where we were going to you know, really go for being the young kids' drink, you know, now millennials. And so their strategy from perspective has never really changed. They just keep evolving it or devolving it in this sense, uh, whether it works or not. So that's kind of a quick like synopsis of what my research has told me about how this has happened. Um, but I, I mean, Pepsi being a relevant brand, they're certainly going to put enough money about trying to make it happen. Well, so so there therein lies the question here. From a strategy perspective, while this was a complete disaster, it has people talking about Pepsi more than ever before. So 
is it in a way a victory for them? That's a really good point. And at first I thought that was in, in, in meetings I had at the agency, uh, a lot of people, um, in particular, this one uh, gay guy who's very liberal was like, let's not even talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it because that's going to give them too much credit. That's going to give him too much like gravitas for even existing and trying this. And in a way, he's right, because they did like it's a huge faux pas. I mean, um, while I think a lot of people are probably oversensitive these days, nonetheless, for a brand to come out swinging and do something like that was grossly irresponsible. Um, I would say now I'd be interested to see the next six months, their sales numbers and how this has affected um, them. I, I, you know, I've talked to people just anecdotally that now just refuse to drink Pepsi. Wow. And, I mean, because of that, that one thing. And it's just like, wow, these people are completely out of touch. And no one, especially nowadays, the worst feeling ever is to be um, felt like you're sold to. And especially sold to in, in this way, where it's like you're catering to my beliefs or pandering my beliefs that are still so extraordinarily personal that – screw you like how dare you try and invade on things that are personal on me and try and sell me pepsi that way like i think the best thing for brands to do and this might be getting ahead of the conversation but i just had a cup of coffee and i just want to throw it out there that like we gotta move away from all this social benevolent branding bullshit because i give it another two three years before people look through it and like that's just someone trying to peddle me sugar water and i'm not buying it what the most people can do, I think advertising can do in the future is you write an ad, someone looks at it and goes, huh, that's clever. Like, right. I think that's the most that we can do. And I think we yeah. just got to settle with that and, and just try and entertain people. Like, uh, you know, Isaac and I are in this uh, great cop. I think it's a great copywriting yeah. class with an extraordinary teacher. And he said something similar. It's like people don't want to give you attention. They yeah. don't want to ad. Just make them laugh a little bit and think for half a second and move on like that and just do that as much as you can. And I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Brands are like just too full of themselves. Um, I think marketing budgets are through the roof for the wrong things. And I could go on a rant. But anyway. Yeah, well, exactly. Our teacher, who's this guy, Yama, who works at RPA, which is a, a big advertising agency here. And he's a genius. I mean, I, I love this guy. And he teaches our we're both in a like portfolio school. Um, and he says, you know, ads are the thing that you don't want to see. You're literally creating something that no one wants. <laughs> you're, 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 you know, you're making the thing that people hate. Yeah. So you have to pay them back for giving you their time, you know, for forcing this down their throat, basically. And exactly. You have to make it somewhat interesting for them in order to pay them back for doing this for you, you know, which I thought was a very uh, smart thing to say. So, however, just returning to this, this weird thing right now, that this weird phase we're in with all these socially responsible companies, the question that I have fundamentally here is, um, okay, so eight of the Super Bowl ads were anti-Trump, right? In some way. They were they were rejecting the Trump narrative. This ad clearly tries to glorify the protests, right? The anti-Trump protests. Here's the part that I don't get. If these companies, right, they have done everything under the sun shitty 
and justified it by saying our only duty is to our shareholders, right? They say, oh, we don't care if we're going to rape the environment. We don't care if we're going to pay people nothing. We don't care if we're just going to be complete assholes. Our fiduciary duty is only to our shareholders. So we just have to keep making profits, right? Yet at the same time, they are intentionally making advertisements that they know demographically are alienating half of the population. That's interesting. Yeah. So how is that possible? How, like in these rooms where these people are making these ads, how doesn't someone say, oh, by the way, uh, maybe you shouldn't make this ad because you're going to piss off half the people in the fucking country. Well, here's your case. So I think you make a really, really good point. And I want to go back to, you got a really good Facebook comment a few weeks ago that this is a, the shareholders to sue Pepsi for, uh, for, for fiduciary responsibility. Yeah, breach of fiduciary duty. They should. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But let me go back to something else you had said earlier about the fact this is an anti-Trump rally. I wouldn't go as far to say that. I think I they may be looking at the camera. But really what they're trying to say is that we are a divided nation with a lot of different you know, ideologies all going on at once. I think you could get the idea that they are leaning a little bit towards the left. They got the hijab woman. Give me a break. No, I mean, there's a lot of like blue colors, but like, and very passive aggressive signs. Like, I mean, who knows what they're really trying to do? But I think somebody got in a room, sat down and said, hey, guess what, guys? The left has won the culture war. We we can't really buck against that right now. But we're also not going to come out swinging against the right. So here's, we're just going to meet in the middle, make a milk toast ad. Featuring, you know, some kind of celebrities and Pepsi's going to unite the authoritarians with the people who are rebelling against them. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really as much as they could do. Um, if I were Pepsi, I would have gotten my Super Bowl budget and I would have done nothing but localized television. And I would do it in a fun way. I would like target, you know, tier two, tier, tier three sort of folks in Atlanta or say Florida or Louisiana and do perhaps more of a Trump leaning ad. And then do like all oh, this blanket California, maybe something more on that line. Like that would that would be interesting. It would show that the Coke had didn't have a point of view, but maybe that is its point of view. Like there could I'm sorry, Pepsi doesn't have a point of view, and maybe that's its point of view, that we're for everybody, no matter what, you know, race, creed, religion, etc. Um, but I will say that I'm not sure if they're coming out right and say that that was a, a Trump, anti-Trump thing. I mean, yes, maybe smile wink. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that's what they're trying to go for. Well, the the presence of the cops too is the is the thing that makes it not so much a Trump thing because the Trump protest. <laughs> she gives them the Pepsi, and everybody in the crowd is just cheering yeah. for the police officer, yeah. which is just so uh, horrifying. Well, all right. So uh, at the same time, okay. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying that perhaps at some stretch of the imagination, even though I think we all know that this is clearly pandering to the anti-Trump crowd. I mean, you'd have to be insane to not think I, that. I don't, I don't think that you're... <laughs> I, I think you're seeing anti-Trump stuff in... Uh, in, in, in places that it's not there. I don't, I didn't get Charles. The there's, there's like three people in it and it's like one is a woman in a hijab. You know I mean? Give me a break. But, but that's Muslims not, make up 1% of the American I population. Am, I understand, but that didn't have anything to do with 
with what was it was an anti-Trump thing. It was just general. Oh, we need to have uh, some diversity, but we make let's make sure it's hip diversity. So, well, you know, yeah, but still, when we're talking about fiduciary hip. duty, most of the people that drink Pepsi in America, and this is an American ad, are white. They're mostly white. Again, you know, they're you're, overwhelmingly this, this so. This is what you do all the time, which is where you, you take a point that's fine, which is that the ad is stupid and nobody likes it, and then you're spinning it out of control into this, like, hyper anti-Trump nonsense. I'm just saying, like, this... Uh, Charles, eight look of how, the... Look eight, how upset he's getting. Chris. Eight it's, of the ads during the Super Bowl were obviously right. anti-Trump policies. That, they were obviously okay, pro-globalization. We're talking about Pepsi, and now you're... This is what you always... Th- your argument style... It, uh, you're, your you're argument to, style is so dumb because you talk about one thing, and then when somebody counters you on the thing, you, you turn 90 degrees, and you talk about all this other stuff. So are we talking about the Pepsi ad? What's dumb is to we think that this about... ad isn't clearly <laughs> pandering. <laughs> this ad isn't clearly pandering to anti-Trump. I didn't get that vibe. Clearly. I, I, I got... Uh, I don't... Go ahead, Chris. I don't, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's clearly pandering to Trump. Thank I you. did say, though, earlier... That Anti-Trump. They're my... Or anti-Trump. That it... Uh, there is maybe a smile and a wink yeah. that that we are Heavy more wink. for the young and we are for the liberals. Yeah. But I, to be anti-Trump, I mean, they'd be shooting themselves in the foot. But they I mean, do shoot, mentioned- this is my point. My point is that they do shoot themselves in the foot. And eight of the Super Bowl ads, you just had a president win an election. If you were doing the smart thing, you would go after that audience. But instead, they're going against the grain. But the people that hated the Pepsi ad were ostensibly, according to you, it's Target. Yeah, no, because they've made a horrible ad. <laughs> but they, yeah, I'm I sure mean, those people liked the, uh, you know, Lumber 83 ad, which was just about people breaking the law and immigrating into the country illegally. I didn't see any of the ads. I mean, it's like, look, hey, clearly the entire Western Hemisphere has is pissed off about open borders. Clearly. You know, not everybody, but a lot of people are pissed off about open borders. If you're a company, why would you focus on that? You should focus on anything besides that. You should focus on anything that can bring people together, not this highly sensitive issue. What does Lumber 83 sell? So Lumber 83, who the fuck knows? I bet I would wager. That's that's important. It it is. And and real quick, just to go back to who is drinking Pepsi, because I think that is actually like probably pivotal to this conversation there's a really good uh, uh marketing research firm called info scout and they do like quick little snapshots so they have pepsi consumer insights who buys pepsi <clears throat> a pepsi consumer is generally very low income caucasian and older age so, so that's consum- trump people <laughs> i know exactly so but why the on. fuck would you ever go do anything <laughs> because because they're trying to expand what they call share of basket and they want to do with younger millennials they realize that all these older Caucasians are going to be dying. And these older <laughs> Caucasians are, are, are typically spending every three months $30.56 on Pepsi, and they're doing it with food stamps. If I was Pepsi, I'd be very scared about this. It's like, okay, I need to start splurging some relevance with people again because no one's going to start buying my crap. And the biggest thing that they should be worrying about is that people are trading down carbonated beverages for smart water and tea and all these other things. Like they have a huge problem on their hands. So of course they're going to try and make a sweeping blow and do anything they can with any amount of relevance possible by showing an ad like this in the attempt to appeal to a younger generation. So 
I think that that's I- a great explanation, Chris. And I think that in this circumstance, if we want to take all of these things alone, there's always going to be some way to say this makes sense logistically. But if we look at the larger trend here, what you have is corporations intentionally alienating large sections of their population. And the question is, why? Why because don't you why don't, don't you just to. why don't you just make an ad about something that isn't political? Why make an I, ad about something I, political? So that I actually agree with that. I think they should be doing a political advertising. Yeah. However, I think because it's a Super Bowl, they have a lot of exposure. Uh, the the CMO guy, his name is he has a douchey name. He's like Brad something, but uh. he is he is known for having a lot of hubris. He used to be the CMO of Activision. He came on. He started this whole internal agency trend where I'm not going to get an outside agency. I'm going to do internal agency. He's done all this stuff. Uh, I think he's just missing it entirely. I Wait, mean, that's frankly, that's he, Pepsi is internal agency. Yeah. So, oh, he, so this he created, was not an agency. This was Pepsi. No, no, and Addy did not do oh, this. Wow. And, I, and I think. To make a minor point, that that's probably a huge win for us that work at ad agencies because this whole trend of having an internal agency is just like um, Bad, rampant yeah, across yeah, the board. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's not working. It's people talking to themselves as opposed to getting an objective opinion. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's a good point. And so, you know, that's right. one thing to mention. However, really quick, I feel like the they feel they probably don't need to advertise as ad agencies. As I'm looking at these demographics, I mean – they, it's just crazy. They buy all their stuff at gas and convenience stores, dollar drug stores. They're 50 plus. And just four things that they are also likely to buy when they buy Pepsi to put in their basket, Marlboro Gold Pack, Marlboro, Monster Energy, and Hawaiian Punch. Oof. That doesn't give you a, a like quick mood board about who these people are who are going to be buying their diet, you know, drinking a two liter uh, thing of Pepsi every day. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'd be scared in my boots if I was Pepsi right now. And I'm going to do anything I can to start reaching that younger audience. Yeah. But then shouldn't you do it in an apolitical way? Because it, you want to reach the, I mean, what, right. We're problem solvers, right? People in ads are problem solvers. How do you reach that audience without alienating your other fucking audience? Uh, was really fucked up. But I think they don't. I don't think they really worried about. So you're saying everyone. Let Let's piece apart their other audience. To you would be younger, maybe alt right, like more like right wing millennials. You know, no, I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying they're alienating their audience, which is clearly broke ass white Trump supporters, in the name of like the young millennials. But yeah, shouldn't but they I, find I, a way I, to do that in a way that's not political? Because then you're alien, you're just pit, you're getting rid of one audience and it, it, uh, embracing the other. Yeah, but I think again, I don't think they're really worried that those people are going to stop buying Pepsi. They're straight up addicted. I mean, these people are buying two packs of cigarettes a day while they're buying their freaking Pepsi. Like, yeah, but can't they just they, buy Coke? I mean, it's the same fucking thing. No, 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 no. My yeah. mom was a huge Pepsi drinker for yeah. years. She drank two liters a day. Jesus. Nothing else was like it. Uh, and then she wised up and stopped doing that. But I think it's it's one of those things where it's uh, the eighty twenty rule. I forget what it's called. Yeah, Pareto principle. Yeah, exactly. So you know, eighty percent of all the dollars are made by twenty percent of the people who are actually buying the damn thing. Yeah. So I, I I think that's kind of where there are. It's like, look, we're the Pepsi generation. We've always been that way. Let's try and pander to the the younger folks. I think I think it's as simple as that. And they did it. They really screwed up. And I think to your point, they should have done something a little bit more apolitical, had a nod at it. I think the Heineken thing is a great example of how you might even try that. Hey, we're all different, but the same. Like that to me was kind of okay. So then I guess let's talk about before I wanted to go back and talk about before we talk about the Heineken ad, which seems to be the anti 
uh, Pepsi ad. Let, can we watch the Lumber 84 ad? Yeah, sure. Give me a right. Oh, yeah, please. Have you seen this, Chris? Yeah, twice. And I saw the extended one. There, there's the, there should be a 60-second, and there's also like a three- or four-minute one. All right, well, let's watch the 60-second one. Uh, all right, so, uh, yeah, the, let's not watch the five-minute one. Let's oh my watch God. the one-minute one. Is it this one, one? the yeah. 131? Yeah. All right. Okay, so this aired during the Super Bowl. And I would guess, before we watch this, I just want to say that I think that this ad is clearly – I think a left-wing organization, an anti-Trump organization. 84 Lumber is the name of yeah, the place. Yeah, 84 Lumber. I think, why the fuck is 84 Lumber a advertising in the fucking Super Bowl? Nobody's ever heard of a goddamn Lumber <laughs> thing mean, advertising in the Super Bowl. I would, totally. guess, I would guess that some major white right-wing money, George Soros et al., found a, a place that they could make this ad for. You mean left-wing money. Left-wing. Like, <laughs> left I, think, I think somebody like George Soros approached 84 Lumber and said, we're going to give you a bunch of money to make this ad, and basically it's just pure propaganda. And I would say the hair ad was the <laughs> same thing. This is just pure propaganda. All right, can I watch this instead of you okay. front-loading it? All right, here we go. All right, I'm going to turn my volume off so I can charge my phone again. Okay. Okay, so we have a little girl in bed waking up. Hispanic family, they're waking up in bed. They're speaking Spanish to each other. Now they're looking at photos of their family. They're in like some sort of hovel situation. Now they're running up to a thing. There's some sort of Hispanic man helping them. Yeah, it's a coyote who's going to help them get across the border. Now they're driving to the border. A woman has a pig. This is... And now they're walking around. She's got her backpack. She's looking at the storm coming, and she's smiling because she sees a little piece of plastic that I'm guessing later on she's going to weave into some sort of blanket. Now she is picking little pieces of plastic off of a random thing. Now there's a Mexican man farming. And, okay, well, clearly things are great in Mexico, and that's why you're running away. So now they're on the train tracks. Now she's picking up little pieces of plastic. Now she's running on a train. It looks like here's their moment where they're going to cross the border. Now they're crossing what I assume to be the Rio Grande. Uh, Now they're walking through the thing. The mom and the daughter are celebrating running across the border illegally. Now there's an actual coyote that they're looking at. Mother and daughter are camping on the ground. They have a fire and... Then we go to Journey 84 and learn about how, what the fuck does this have to do with lumber? 84? Nobody knows. All right, let's see what, what, what this is. 84 lumber. All right. I guarantee this was paid for by fucking... They, they approached 84 lumber and they were like, we're going to make this ad for you. And they were 84 lumber was like, fine, we don't fucking care. Uh, 84 lumber. Are you 84 material? Are you 84 material? Question Watch mark. TV spots. No, we don't want notifications. <laughs> Uh, building material, projects and plans, yeah, they, they, specialty products. What this has to do with illegal immigration, we have no fucking clue. No idea. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I like the play-by-play. And I, I have a, a buddy uh, that is echoing everything that, he's, that you're saying. He uh, started this company. He's ex-RGA, director of technology, brilliant guy. Uh, he started a company called Instapanel that did qualitative interviews for the Super Bowl, every single Super Bowl ad that ran. And when 84 Lumber came up, it was 10th in terms of being best, which is not that great. But the number one thing people said about it was relationship to company unclear, relation to product unclear, 
It was overall positive, but I don't know what the company is. I think it sells immigration. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a coyote Uh, company. Yes. Uh, (laughs) If you need to get into the United States illegally. Yeah. 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 Uh, lumber. And there's all these different like things about her. They're just confusing. Maybe I missed something. These are just verbatims that P had written out and people had said. Um, I thought it was for charity. Uh, is this for refugees of war torn countries? I'm not yeah, interested like, what in are this. What are we even talking about here? It's yeah, just so it's strange. Xenophobia, across in America, dialogue not dialogue not in English. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I these are all just things people had written as they were watching the ad. Um, makes oh, here's my favorite. Makes undocumented immigration seem easy. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Uh, and, and why yeah. are we being sold breaking the law during the Super Bowl? It's insane. Like what is yeah. going on here? And yeah, why? Uh, like why do that? Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird ad. Uh, yeah. This is a very weird ad, and I, I, I don't know what it means. I mean, what, ostensibly, the people who are behind 84 Lumber, who are pro-construction, um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's like, we like exploiting illegal immigrants <laughs> for cheaper labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how does so, the commercial... Maybe I mean, that's maybe, what it is. Maybe the it's end it. is they go back to Mexico. Maybe that's the end. They said you have to go to the website to see the conclusion. It's actually a Mexico tourism yeah. board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's, like, uh, she's like, oh, the United States stinks. Let's yeah. go home. <laughs> Fuck this place. Yeah, like, what? Avocados from Mexico. Yeah, like, what yeah, is I, being glorified here? I just, I, I don't understand. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think the only thing I think is like, like, hey, we're a really big lumber company with tons of money. No one knows about us, so let's do something provocative. And you know, but I, I read a few weeks ago that the people who behind the ad, the actual clients, were were happy with it, and the agency that did it. Um, yeah, Isaac's pouring himself a twelve dollar beer. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a Berliner I'm not... Weiss. I'm very into Berliner Weiss these days. Is it a sour? Yeah, Berliner Weiss is a type of sour. Uh, I like the sours. Those are good. I can't chug them all day, but they're very nice occasionally. Already in the 1600s, the Berliner Weiss-style beer was mentioned in documents by the French reformers Huguenots as they crossed Berlin on their way to Flanders. Flanders? In in 1809, the Emperor Napoleon and his troops celebrated their Prussian victory with it. Wow. It's it's a beer of victory. Like, literally, you are drinking something designed... To celebrate the deaths of others. Yeah. This Berliner Weiss style is brewed in traditional mash hopping and without wort boiling. Ooh. Wow. Well, I hope it works. This, along with the traditional strain of lactic acid bacteria, provide a fruity and dry but palatable character. A character that Napoleon and his troops characterized as lively and elegant. I think I'm going to quit my job and just write copy for beer for labels. Beer labels, that sounds dude. Like that. Not, yeah. that would be amazing. That would be good. Very cool. All right. So we were talking about 84 Lumber's ad making no sense to anybody. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. 84 Lumber's ad making no sense. What were the other... Maybe they're... Go ahead, Chris. Oh. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I was just... This is so stupid, maybe. But I was just... Maybe it's a stroke of genius where it's like, hey, you know... We're playing like nice and liberal. We want people to come over the wall and we're all for like, you know, becoming, you know, proper citizens. But we also want to build that wall. And but you can come through it if you're cool enough. 
I don't really know. Is the, the end of the end that both? they show up and there's a giant wall there that lumber eighty four lumber made? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that it? Like, is it, is it like a low key like, hey Trump, we want to bid for that contract? No, I'm saying yeah. that's <laughs> the end of the wall. Is they get there and they like run up against it and they're just slaughtered in the desert by and it says, yeah. eighty four lumber. <laughs> anyone keep them out? out yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're not giving them we'll enough credit. Them yeah. <laughs> maybe they're just very innovative with their advertising. Yeah, and that's what they made us think. But then if you watch the full thing it's they're like being eaten by buzzards <laughs> in the desert because they can't get around the wall oh that's terrible but uh yeah man i mean i don't know it seems to me i mean i think the clear answer is that corporations have no it's that it's not about profit it's that this is a neo we are in a neoliberal government slash corporatocracy where the government is basically working with corporations to Open borders, because open borders leads to cheaper labor, and cheaper labor makes corporations happy, you know? And that's why you have Mark Zuckerberg and Soros and Bezos all getting together for these organizations like Forward.us, which lobby local governments to open immigration borders, because they can get, essentially, it's slavery. Essentially, they are slave owners, and they can pay people nothing and treat them like shit, and that's how they make huge profits, so that they can build their own homes in Hawaii with large walls around them, which is what Zuckerberg is doing. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I don't know anything about advertising, but is advertising money spent so uh, just easily without really justifying it as a business expense? Like, you know, are are they not eyeballing the ad for its efficacy? Like, that seems like a very... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's So, again, part of my job is to help that efficacy you're talking about. They actually have a whole award show called the Effies to measure ad effectiveness. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And they have this thing called KPIs, Key Performance Indicators, and what they do. And in my opinion, after eight and a half years of doing this, a lot of it is snake oil. <laughs> Um, and a lot of ad effectiveness in terms of actually working is a little dubious. On average, the, I guess the sort of ratio is that for every dollar a marketer spends, they're supposed to see three to the maximum of six dollars in return. And that's after paying your agency, production costs, media costs. That's what they're supposed to see. So there's certainly a lot of eyeballs on marketing budgets at all times. A lot of CEOs, depending what their ethos are, may think you know marketing superfluous and not really necessary. Certainly in the recession, marketing budgets were the first thing to get cut off because it's like, well, we got to kind of shore up and you know, um, you know, weigh, weigh our options before we start throwing money out into things that are very hard to measure. Advertising is very hard to measure. Yeah. Uh, unless we're going to be in Brave New World or like a surveillance society, um, it's difficult to see how well an ad did. Uh, occasionally... In general, if you throw something out in the ether, you will see uh, you know, some movement. Um, but it it is it's kind of more of a uh, an art than a science, still, quite frankly. Um, well, and what about has, what about the ahead. idea that all publicity is good publicity, right? I mean, we're we're here talking about Pepsi, and we're here talking about eighty four lump. So. I really wonder if, you know, the whole thing of Ogilvy, right? This legendary ad guy, Ogilvy, who made some of the greatest ads of all time. His whole thing is advertising does not matter unless it makes the... The only thing that matters about ads is if it makes the register ring, right? It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. 
So the question is, what would be really fascinating to know is, has the 84 Lumber ad, has the Pepsi ad, ultimately, just because we're thinking about it more, made the register ring more? And if that's the case, then joke's on us, you know? Then those ads were successful. Well, doesn't matter how much Maybe they did, I, and I, I, I agree with that. However, I, I would postulate that that has not been the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe 84 Lumber... Only because people had no one knew what the hell they were trying to say, and they're like, "Okay, well, I'll just keep my. I have an eight, a you know year long contract with eighty four lumber. That's not going to necessarily make me kill it. I'm just kind of curious now. And frankly, that was weird. I don't know what they're doing up there, what they're smoking. I'll keep going. Where Pepsi is, you know, very you know consumer packaged goods. It's a daily decision if you want to drink a Pepsi or reach for a Coke. Um, people who are addicted to Pepsi will continue drinking Pepsi. I, um, however, I I don't know. I the thing is, is that while we're talking about it, it might be interesting, and yes, maybe they won. The fact of the matter is the behavior change is that a lot of people aren't going to go buy this thing. Still. Yeah, because you got like be alienating we, a lot of people. I mean, if I'm if I'm a Trump supporting Pepsi drinker, next time I go to the store, I'm going to be looking for something that's not Pepsi. I mean, I'm going to be going there with the intention yeah. to not buy it. Well, well I'm just maybe. as a, as a is a self-respecting guy in advertising, just as I mentioned earlier, whatever they're saying, however they did it, it's a poorly made ad. It shows that there's hacks behind the, the, the people behind the wheel. I know the guy who made it up and he's a full of himself idiot. Really? <laughs> just for that makes me not want to buy that product. <laughs> How do you know? Lifestyle. <laughs> and I hope his kids die poor. Oh, frankly. nice. Yeah. I uh, so I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I thought the, so that's, that's, that's my personal perspective. And I know it sounds harsh, of course, but whatever. But no, still, I mean, it's just like, how could I'm it so not be sick harsh? of this industry doing that stuff. After that ad came uh, out, that's, you know, I mean, that's so deserving bad. of harshness. Did you see the SNL skit about the, the SNL video about the guy making the Pepsi ad? No. Yeah, yeah. that was funny. What it's was quite that? funny. It's just this guy and he's, he's the director of the ad. And they're like, oh, this is your, are you excited to see your vision come together? And he's like, yes, very much. And he gets a call from his sister, and he's telling her about the ad. And, uh, you know, you can tell she's telling him something on the phone, and he's listening. And then he gets this horribly, like, disappointed look on his face. He's like, uh, put, put, put Bill on the phone. And he just goes through all these people on the phone, all telling him what a terrible idea that <laughs> is as he's describing it to them. It, it's pretty funny, yeah. actually. It's low-key funny. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's, I thought it was uh, one of the, you know, more amusing. SNL's getting a lot better. They're getting good again. It's because of those two dudes. What dudes? It's because of uh, those two guys. Um, <laughs> those two guys? No, the two, uh, you know. Those two guys. They, they, they came from like making random YouTube videos. Wild and crazy guys. What guys? The Lonely Island? No. God, no. <laughs> Jesus. No, no, I know the, who you're talking about. Yeah. The, the, the guy with the curly hair that's kind of long. Yeah, who played um, who played the guy in um, Hello, Ladies. He's like the perfect nerd with the long hair. Okay. Him and the kind of broy guy. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, they're like... I they, don't know the other guy, but I know the they first They rose to about, fame. He did a... Uh, they, he, yeah, they were YouTube guys, and then they got yeah. He did he did a lot of good YouTube videos. Really good. He's, yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, what a disaster that ad is. But you know, we'll see what happens. I I don't I don't know that. Uh, as Chris was mentioning, those people that are super addicted to Pepsi and it's part of their uh, daily thing. 
I'm I don't know that they're gonna stop. Well, they th- saw that's the, the thing, right? I mean, these corporations are so look at United. You know, I mean, we all hate United now, but it's not gonna make any fucking difference. It's a you know, that's in, what I, in yeah, three I was, months, nobody's gonna care at all, and it, people are just gonna buy the you know maybe maybe United flights will be six bucks cheaper, and like everybody will just fly United, you know, because it's just it pops up cheaper on there, you know. I was listening. I, I was listening to somebody with a really funny perspective on the United thing, and he was like, "He goes, I'm on United side, because as soon as I heard that screech come out of that guy, <laughs> I was like, there's something wrong with that guy, <laughs> and he should be pulled <laughs> yeah, off the he plane. He needs to get off the plane. Yeah, I thought that was funny. well. No, I mean, I yeah, think what's apparently great. that guy is a little screwy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He like got prostitution for drugs and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a little weird. Yeah, he was. Not the greatest candidate, dude. Well, but he got his fame. Like clearly, and they settled with him too. He probably got got hundreds of millions. He got his cash. He came out well. Well, so what we're learning, though, I mean, what's what's so beautiful to me, like why the Pepsi ad is sickening, but it's also beautiful to me because this is how I see every one of these ads. You know, it's just Pepsi did it so brazenly that there was no excuse. You know, that it was so obvious to everyone that Pepsi was trying to capitalize on this societal division that we have, right? And, yeah. and you know, in the weeks prior to that, ExxonMobil tweeted out, like, we care about feminism with, like, a picture of, like, a cool black lady. <laughs> this is ExxonMobil, the oil company. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. And it's just like, you know, you see this over and over again, I- these people trying to both promote and hijack the narrative of like we're a badass rebel liberal you know black lives matter and what's it's insane to me because it's like you're alienating half the public obviously and what the fuck are you doing you're a product like no one gives a shit about your relation to what's like when i you know i i get that same feeling anytime i'm in a movie theater and they have one of those sappy coke ads yeah. With like some couple going on their first date or, you know, like a dad and his son together. And well, I, but that's apolitical. I, I get it, but it's that same, like, fuck, can't you just be like, hey, you know, buy this. Don't forget. It's sweet. Go yeah, get it. You get know, I, sweet I just hate the, I hate the, 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 that saccharine need to, to, to associate products with like, you know, nostalgia. Just, yeah. And human it, emotion. Human get the emotion, fuck out of here. Yeah. Just, ugh. Well, that's what they get. Yeah, like just just be honest with me. I mean, there's um there's a really good print ad that our our, again our our teacher Alma showed me. I'd never seen it before, but I think now it's my probably my favorite print ad. It was for a small family owned uh, gas uh, I guess gas station line all across the West Coast. They're called uh, Fina Fina Gas, and this guy Howard Gossage, brilliant creative director, came up with the print ad. After he realized that there's nothing really special about gas, like people kept see, like saying, "I'm putting Tecron with Chevron and all this like crap they're putting in their gas," and yeah. he's like, "You know what? It's just ga- a gas oh, station." Yeah. So he wrote yeah. a, he wrote this print ad that was like it was super long form copy on just a single page, all in pink, and it just said, "Hey, like how's it going?" And I'm gonna, I'm paraphrasing this, and this is gonna butcher it, but it's like, "Hey, how's it going?" So if you're on the freeway. And you don't have to make a U-turn. There's not a lot of traffic, and it's pretty easy to get off. And you and you need gas. Like, come off to Fina Gas Station, and we can give you gas or something else you might want. And that was the ad. Like, it, that's all it said. It was so practical and bare bones and hilarious. But it's hilarious because no one talks like that. Yeah. And within the context of communication that brands are doing, there's just nobody who would, like, actually do that. And so to your point, Charles, I, I actually appreciate that as well. And I think we're going to see, like, this uber transparency 
in advertising coming up. Just yeah. the other day, I got a piece of direct mail from a company called Everlane. Are you guys familiar with Everlane? No. They're a, uh, they're a clothing company where their ethos is radical transparency. And so they show all the factories, everything's American made, like they'll profile the people that are sewing your clothes. It's actually kind of a brilliant business model, but they've taken it to all these different extremes where I got a piece of direct mail, or just a piece of paper, like with a mini catalog. And the first thing you see before you open up that little tiny tape that holds it together, it says, this piece of direct mail costs us 55 cents to make. And it, that's all it said. And I was kind of, what does this mean? Am I supposed to feel guilty if I throw it away? Or like, <laughs> am I supposed to like hang it on my fridge? Should I write them a letter saying, hey, this letter back to you cost me a dollar just asking why did you say this? Like, I don't know like why, like what I would do with that information. But I yeah. think there's something that's going to be entering the, the view yeah. the next time because we're not just going to buy that stuff anymore. It's sure, like, sure, sure. It's no, so and, annoying yeah. and fake. Yeah, um, and radical transparency I think is always – well, no, maybe that's the next thing. So let's finish up with this. So there's been two ads that seem to me to be kind of the smart response to the uh, neoliberal corporatocracy type ads uh, that are acknowledging the need to come together. And that is the Heineken ad, which just came out, which features people with varying political beliefs, extreme polar opposites, like a transgender guy and an old guy who doesn't believe in transgenderism. Uh, notice how I said guy. Just kidding. You're going to get hate mail. Anyway. Uh, it's a get more no, hate mail. I'm just kidding. So, it, um, and uh, they build something together. Right. They build like a thing together, which I suppose is something that brings people together when you build something together. And then at the end of them building the thing together, a video plays of them showing their really opposing political beliefs. Yeah. And so the transgender person says, I'm transgender. And the, of course, hateful transgender hater says, I don't believe in that. Right. And then they play it. And then they say, you can either have a beer together and talk about your differences or you can leave now. And we assume they get paid to be there. Yeah. So. so everybody in the ad, of course, hangs out and has a beer. Yeah. You know, it would be really, I mean, this needs to the be outtakes. parodied. Yeah. You know, because yeah. <laughs> we need to see the ones where it's like, yeah. you know, Ooh. oh my God, oh, fuck you, you Muslim, you know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, I would we, love to yeah. see <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? You, uh... That would be a really transparent ad where like some of them <laughs> just are like, uh, yeah. see you Someone later. Someone could have died yeah. on set. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it could have been a hate crime. Where, like, <laughs> where the Muslim guy just blows himself up. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. He rips off a vest and he's like, <laughs> Hello, Akbar. Yeah. <laughs> he blows God. up the studio. We didn't see that one. No. So oh, anyway, God. you know, so that one was good. And also there was a very, very similar ad for Danish television yes, recently where a bunch one. of people were like, we're in the box. Now we're outside of the box. And, yeah. oh, our differences, uh, you know, make us, uh, we're not that different because really we're all just like soccer fans. We're yeah. not defined by our political differences, which... You know, I got to be honest, maybe I'm a sucker for this shit, but I love those ads, you yeah. know, I, and it make, they make me feel warm and fuzzy inside because it's like, hey, yeah, you know what? We do have these polar differences, but and, maybe we Until should. the end comes and they remind you that they're selling a product. Selling something. Shit. Yeah, exactly. As soon so as the yeah. tagline comes up, I'm just like, oh, right. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Gross. Sure. So what do you think of, what do you, what do you think of those, Chris? 
So I've not seen the Danish ones you're talking about, unfortunately. Um, what what is the concept? It's, it's base, yeah. Okay. It's a uh, what they do is they have like all these different group groups of Danish people assembled. So they've got like people from the city and people from rural areas and like uh, soccer fans and just a, a variety of groups all grouped off together. And they all kind of dress the same. And then this guy says, "Hey, step up to the front." if you were the class clown and then this wide variety of those groups all go up to the front and you see, Oh look, it's the big muscular guy with the beard and the tattoos is a class clown. But so is also this older man. That's a farmer. Uh, and mm-hmm. they kind of go through all these different classifications. Who's bisexual, who uh, is lonely, who is in love and all these different people go up there. So it's a really well-made uh, ad and it gets you. Yeah, but as I said, and then at the end, they're like, by the way, watch Danish television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, watch TV. Wow. <laughs> so, so it, I mean, just without seeing it, I just automatically, the thing that pisses me off is the disconnect there, right? It's like, you are pandering to my beliefs and the fact that we should all be united. And yes, thank you for your point of view. I'm not going to think you're a bigot. Um, but I, I, what do I do with that? I guess, I guess I'll watch Danish television yeah. now because... Yeah, it's they the, aren't bigots. It's the worst part of the ad is when that thing comes up at the end. You know, it's, yeah. it's, so it's like a screeching halt to the to, to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and I would say Heineken too. You know, when you realize they're trying to sell you beer at the end of it. I mean, I don't know. I think there's some genius to that ad though because it it's responding to the right thing and, um. You know, right. it is yeah. true that people. It is there is some truth to the fact that people kind of like come together over beer. You know, I mean that is kind of true. There, you know? there is, there is, but it could be any beer. It doesn't have to be a Heineken beer. But it's cool that Heineken has that. But they did it, so they get credit for it. But I'm not. I don't know. Maybe not many other beer ads could do that. I can't seem like maybe Budweiser. It would have to be a a more touchy feely European beer company to do that. Yeah, I, I instead of being Bud. Well, isn't that so strange? Like though? Isn't that strange? Steel that, Reserve or something? Or like, well, wouldn't you know, that that? King well, but Cobra. isn't that so weird? Isn't that so weird that Buds, all of Buds' recent ads have been left wing with the fucking bullshit Amy Schumer, Seth Rogen bullshit. You is know, left wing or that just celebrity nonsense? No, of course it's left wing. You have two prominent Jewish left wing celebrity comedians who are like known to be left wing making fun of the political process. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, but Seth Rogen's like a, like a comedy movie no, star. No, but he's a political activist. He's always talking but he's, about so he's this shit. mainly known as a comedy movie star. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is these people are clearly representatives of the neoliberal <laughs> establishment. Well, and, I would, I, I would you know, say that... Uh, I would say that yes and no. First of all, I think she's too dumb to understand what's what politics happening at are. all. Yeah, no, I hate she, her. I hate her. She really and, is just the worst. And then um, I feel that in in classic you know nature, I don't I forget the Latino guy's name, but he's an awesome actor, and I, somehow I feel he's being victimized and exploited through these Bud Light advertisings. Um, and then yes, obviously Seth Rogen being part of the, the, the left wing Hollywood political elite has his points of view. I'm sure that are obvious. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel it's like, Hey, young millennials just gets out there and you know, Bud is, is synonymous with America as anyone else. So you should just get on our bandwagon and do what we say. And, um, and I, I really wasn't impressed by those ads. I think, as I mentioned earlier, they're pandering. And when I, I used to work on, uh, 
Bud Light Lime and Bud Light Limerie and all this stuff. It would be these giant meetings with like hundreds of agency partners. And the biggest thing they were trying to crack was a Latino audience, i.e. trying to get them to drink even more Bud Light. And uh, one of the things was like, who's the right representation or personality for this? And that particular actor, um, I don't know if you have a computer in front of you. I keep hating seeing the fact that I'm not saying his name. Um, Michael Payne. That was the yeah. one that I think was yeah. kind of played up to the top. But um, I just thought it was interesting that, uh, that, you know, that that was where they went. You know, it's like, you know, it's a political climate. We need to, like, <laughs> ride the coattails of that and ensure relevancy. And Well, that's know, what's all, so all weird. But it's just weird to me that my, why is the American ad the one that has politics in it whereas the european beer is the one that feels okay doing the bridging the gap thing you know it's because it's there's two, I, I see what you're saying without thinking too hard about it i can only say that the the european one it's more about a point of view and then the american one it's a point of view that can be validated and other people will be forced to tamp down their throats in this election year. Like you have power over your point of view where in the European one is much more neutral. Hey, we're all just different. I'm not, it's, you know, no matter what happens this election year, like whatever gets voted in the office, whether you can use a restroom as a transgender male or not, that's absent. Whereas in America, you might have that power to vote on a bill or vote on a candidate that will be more in line with what you want. It's kind of, it's a little bit different. Yeah. My my favorite butt ed is the one where the horses kneel towards the place the World Trade Center was. I thought that was, <laughs> that was yeah. not uh, not at all tasteless and gross. <laughs> yeah, horses kneeling towards the World Trade Center. Horses Did kneeling for capitalism. Yeah, it's like, why even go there? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Why why? Go there. Yeah, just just be like, hey, beer is fun. It's time, you know. Yeah, you need to have a good time sometimes. Who's Bud Light's agency? Uh, Wyden and Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I thought they did a decent job trying to reposition a really tough, disorganized company. Um, but, yeah. you know, they're known for doing good stuff. I, I think one thing after working in the beer category got me really depressed. And this kind of goes back to the 80-20 will, rule. But I'm going to I'm gonna butcher this number. But it was something like 10% of all beer sales. Oh, no, no. Sorry. It's the same thing. It's like 80 to 90% of all beer sales are done by 10% to 20% of the actual population of America. Oh, of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of people, i.e. alcoholics. Yeah, 20% of people buy to, 80% of beer. Well, that was the same way yeah. uh, when I worked at Hustler TV. Uh, the majority of the porn purchases were made by what the cable and satellite companies refer to as the whales. Oh yeah, and the they people were who really people just that just consumed it. a ridiculous amount of porn. That's how <laughs> everything is, though. That's how it's the Pareto principle. Yeah. It's like if you grow 100%. a garden, if you grow a garden of peas, twenty eighty percent of the peas come from twenty percent of the pods. Yeah, it's just the way. Yeah. It is. Is this the way it is? It's really yeah. funny. I, that's crazy. Eighty percent of the Berliner Vice so is I mean, consumed by me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They just bought ridiculous amounts of porn. They just they were they were Directv and Dish Network's main source of uh, adult movie income. income. Wow. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down. 